Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a recording of the sermon from this past Sunday. It was Pentecost Sunday, and so Pastor Gary and I decided to do something a little different. We uh, had a conversation as part of the sermon, or rather we sort of shared the proclamation together, going back and forth, inviting each other in. We always have a lot of fun with these types of sermons, and we usually get good feedback. It seems like there's just something more dynamic that'll keep your attention a little bit better when the voice changes from one person to another. And so, yeah, this was the sermon, and it was all about Pentecost. What does this mean? What should we make of these stories about the giving of the Holy Spirit and what that means for our life of faith and our walk of faith today? Uh, I think we got to a pretty neat place together, so I really hope you enjoy this. As always, though, uh, share this with friends. (laughs) It's part of the challenge of the sermon, as you'll hear at the end, is that maybe you are being called out to share your faith with others. This podcast might be a great way to do that, is to just say to a friend, like, hey, I get a lot of value out of this. I think maybe you might enjoy it, too. Uh, It's never been easier to invite people into different church conversations and, and conversations about faith. So anyways, let's get to the sermon now, though. Uh, As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support of the podcast. But now here it is, the sermon from Pentecost Sunday, May 23rd, 2021. So this passage from the Gospel of John is a series that we've been hearing over the last several weeks where Jesus says a lot of things that get a little confusing and muddled, but it's all part of what scholars call Jesus's farewell discourse. In the Gospel of John, starting at about chapter 14 and going all the way through chapter 17, we have four chapters of this speech and this prayer that Jesus offers on his final night with his disciples. You see, this is after Jesus and the disciples have shared in the Passover meal, but it's before he's been arrested. And so these are Jesus's concluding thoughts, his closing remarks, because he knows what's about to come next. And we really see and get a sense of that in what Jesus says in the gospel reading here this morning. Jesus is saying, I will send my advocate to you. And it's to your advantage that I send the advocate because I will no longer be with you. Don't be sad about that because the advocate is coming and that's going to be better for you. Now, this term advocate, what we see is that Jesus is talking about the spirit of truth, he says, the Holy Spirit. Pentecost Sunday is a day when we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. And remember this third person in the Trinity, this sense of God with us. And I really like the idea of advocate being another term for Holy Spirit. That makes a kind of sense. And advocate is someone that lobbies for you, that's there with you on your behalf and kind of helping you out and through things. Now, it gets even better though. Stick with me here. If you were to look at the oldest transcripts that we have of this reading from John, at the original Greek text, that word advocate is a really fancy Greek word, paraclete. Let me hear you say paraclete. Paraclete. Yes, I'm not talking about a paracletes for the (laughs) soccer game. This is paraclete, it's a Greek term. And why I get so excited about it is because it's actually a compound word. The term paraclete means two things. It means to be with, and to call out, to be with and to call out. And when I think about what the Holy Spirit does for us, it's exactly that. The Spirit gathers us together and calls us out and sends us out into the world. Pastor Gary, are you tracking with me on this? I am. In fact, when you hear that, 
to be with and then called out, that's basically the story of Pentecost. Absolutely. That is what we see happening right here. Uh, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also wrote this book of Acts, and he doesn't give us every detail along the way, so we have to sort of work our way through and realize, oh, that's where, that's when they moved, because we're told they were all together in one place. Now, right before that, we were told they were a crowd of 120. That's when they added Matthias to the group to make their, their inner circle to be 12. And then they are gathered in one place. So we're probably not talking about all 120. There might not have been a room big enough to cram 120 yeah. enough people in right then. But clearly that, that inner circle of disciples was together. So they were gathered in. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is there with them, that, that, that abiding with them in that upper room. But... All of a sudden, we hear that there was this rush of a violent wind, and it filled the room where they were, but clearly more than that, because we're told that around that whole area, maybe throughout the marketplace where they were gathered, people started to assemble. Something was compelling them to come see what was going on in the midst of all of that, and so they gathered, and then the disciples head out to go to them. So all of a sudden, they probably were not saying to each other, oh, you know what this is? This is a paraclete moment. You get how we were all here together? Now I believe we're being sent out. I don't think they probably put probably that not. in their mind. Probably not. What they knew is something's going on out there and they had to go be a part of it. And as they go out and they're a part of it, they realize that they are being compelled to proclaim the power of God throughout everything that is happening. And so, so that's what I think that paraclete does. It, it just reinforces the power of the Spirit with us and then compels us to go out somewhere. And, and what's really interesting, too, is, is where they were sent out to. Because they were sent out to a large gathering of people. Pastor Gary, I mean, we should really give him a round of applause for reading that whole Acts passage with all the names of the different countries there. What, what, what the writer of Acts is really trying to have you see is that the entire known world was in Jerusalem that day. All the places that are listed, if you, if you locate them on the map, it's north, it's south, it's east, it's west, and they're all in Jerusalem. So there's this huge gathering taking place of people from all different nations. They were there because they're good Jews, and it was a Jewish festival that they were gathered in Jerusalem mm -hmm. to celebrate. And so it's fascinating that the Holy Spirit had kind of gathered that group together in the room, and then the wind sent them out into this public space where there was a gathering of people from all across the world. Right. It's just kind of amazing the back and forth of what we're seeing of this gathering together, sending out, gathering together, sending out. And then when that happens, now they're gathered together with people from all over the place, and all of those people could have likely conversed in Greek. It was kind of a universal language, but it was no one's native language. Mm. So now they realize that the power of the Spirit is allowing them to be fully immersed in themselves and their own native language. They're hearing this, and so now Peter realizes he can just get up and start talking to all of them. And when he does that, it's this way of saying, we've just noticed we're from all over, but we are, we're together and we're united somehow. And I think that's what Peter was trying to do with the prophet Joel, was unite them. Exactly. If you look at the way it's printed in your bulletin, you see how the words from Peter are indented differently. Because what Peter's doing there is he's quoting a passage from the prophet Joel. 
And so that's a quote that's lifted out of there. We should have put the quotes in there as part of it. But the idea is that Peter realizes, hey, these are all Jews from all across the world, and they know what the prophet Joel says just as well as I do. And so he's uniting the people with this shared language, this shared story that they have together. And what's even more powerful is he's pointing out, hey, we all know these words from Joel. You're you're a good Jew, just like me. We know what the prophet Joel says, but I want to point out, Peter says, that what we've always been talking about in the prophet Joel, it's happening today. This prophecy that we have memorized and recited and remembered, it's happening right now in your midst. And so it's this uniting moment of shared language, and yet it's calling them out in a way as well. And and I think about how we share together in saying the Apostles' Creed at the beginning of worship. It's the same idea, isn't it? The words of the Apostles' Creed were likely written around the year 300 AD, somewhere around there possibly, and yet we have been saying them as a Christian community for thousands of years. We've been united with this shared story, and yet those words of the Apostles' Creed, while they unite us, they also send us out, don't they? They give us some real purpose and meaning and direction for our life as well. Yeah, they certainly do. And what happens when Peter goes back to the prophet Joel is he reminds them of the promises in the prophecy. I think that's what Peter mm-hmm. was doing. Mm-hmm. He was hearkening back. And today when we celebrate Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, we know we're completing the Trinity. But what we realize is that God's people have had long, long histories as the portions of the Trinity were sort of revealed to them. We had the creating God, which could have been anywhere from, depending on your outlook, anywhere from like 4 million to 5,000 years, depending on how you saw that whole creative process taking place. You know, that was a long time of, of understanding this God of creation. And then Uh, a promise was made to King David that somebody from his line would rule forever. So we had another timeline that lasted a thousand years. The promise was made that God would be revealed in a new way and finally was through Jesus Christ. So Peter reminds them that these prophecies that, that there's some endurance in them. And I know that you're a fan of the sort of time travel Absolutely. genre kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. As, and, and I am more of a fan of just the chronological nuances that the Bible brings you to learn. us. So we have a <laughs> thousand year promise from the promise to David to the realization of Jesus. But now Jesus had promised his disciples that when he left, that an advocate would come. So you imagine his disciples were probably thinking, well... We should expect to see the Holy Spirit in about a thousand years because that's when the promise was made to David and we realized Jesus. So in another thousand years, we're likely to have the Holy Spirit come to us. But wait a second. It doesn't matter a thousand years for the people in our Pentecost story. In fact, from the time that Jesus left to the day of Pentecost, how long are we talking? I see Rob back there holding it up, but he was at the first service. So that's... Did you know it before that? Somebody shout out how long it's been. Ten days. Ten days. days. So for a thousand years, people waited for a promise. And now Jesus has given them a promise, the coming of the paraclete. And it only took ten days. days, Such as the immediacy of God's power and what's happening now in this day. And so the people are gathered. That's why I don't think they were saying, oh, this is the advocate, the one that Jesus promised. I don't think they had any idea that it could come upon them this quickly. But when they noticed it, when they realized what was happening, 
I think we're kind of back to the paraclete. It sounds like the same rhythm again and again, doesn't it? Of called together and sent out. And, and yet that's also what the church has always been about, yeah. isn't it? That th this is the birthday of the church as we understand it. And it is all centered around being gathered together so that we can be sent out yeah. again and again. Yeah. And, and you know what? That's the rhythm of worship. You're gathered here together today. But nothing that happens here is meant to stay here. The power of the Spirit that we come into a place of gathered disciples to share is something that empowers us to go out and share it. And we realize there are people out in our lives that don't want to wait a thousand years to understand the power of God in their life. So tomorrow at school, you might have an opportunity to share God's power with a classmate. If you happen to have a, a, a coffee date or a lunch date with somebody and you, you, you sense that they just need to know that the power of God is alive in you and could be alive in them, that there are people out there in our Pentecost story that should remind us there are people that have different skin color than us, that speak different languages than us, that have different ethnic backgrounds than us, but they're all wondering at some point in their life is the power of the spirit real and they will never know it if it's contained in this space mm. the power of the spirit sends us out into a world to proclaim the power of god that's pentecost is realizing is there there are people who need to hear this over and over and over again this week, somebody might be hearing it for the first time from you. And in the midst of that, a whole new expression of God has an opportunity to be opened to them. Today, we celebrate Pentecost. This week, someone in your life might be introduced to the Holy Spirit. For that, you are sent out. Amen. Amen.